for me, that's what the life is. It is a journey. It's an experience. The good, the bad, whatever. When you learn to love and you learn to forgive, it just takes you to a higher frequency. You began to really be a lover of life, all life. And then you understand your oneness with the whole. You understand, hey, I hurt me, I hurt you. I hurt you, I hurt me. You are here for a reason, but navigating this human life can be challenging. How do you care for your body, mind, and spirit to make the most of your time here on earth? How can you harness your incredible human potential? In this podcast, we explore these questions and more to help you craft your best life yet. Welcome to I Am Human. Hello, humans. I am your host, Dr. Yami, and I am so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you love I Am Human, please rate and review it on your favorite platform. It would mean so much to us. To be human means to sometimes feel stuck and stagnant, but it also means to recognize your limitless potential and to learn to delight in the gifts of the present moment. And that is what our guest, Babette Davis, teaches us. She has been called a force of nature, and she is a globally recognized plant-based chef, fitness enthusiast, and motivational speaker who calls Inglewood, California home. She pioneered the first plant-based restaurant, Stuff I Eat, in her community in the early 2000s, where she still receives visitors from around the world. Once a hairstylist, Babette became a self-taught chemist in the kitchen, perfecting eating healthy while keeping the flavor of her dishes the focal point. Her combination of thoughtful food preparation with an intense fitness regimen has made her one of the most sought after experts in her field. And you're going to love this interview. We talk about her journey, her first date with her husband, which was quite unique. It was very interesting. And it was what prompted her to begin this journey. What led to her opening her restaurant, Stuff I Eat, how she became a chef her daily routine. She's 73 years old and you probably cannot keep up with this woman. Her philosophy on aging and longevity, how her life and her world is different from the typical American woman in their 70s, what she does to stay active and if she regularly challenges herself, the answer is yes, you'll find out more in the episode. How she defines success in this lifetime. We talk about what's on her bucket list and goals and dreams that she still has for her future, how she wants to be remembered and more. Now, Chef Babette has already lived so many lifetimes within this lifetime, and she's had so many different jobs and experiences. There is a lot to learn from this incredible, beautiful soul. I know that you are just going to love this episode. So thank you so much for being here. And now on to the episode. 
The information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. If you have concerns about your health or well-being, please consult a healthcare professional. Chef Babette, welcome to I Am Human. It is such a pleasure to finally meet you. Ah, yes, thank you for having me, honey. <laughs> well, you have been described as a force of nature. And really? I just want to say you are absolutely just beautiful and radiant. Oh, so I am just so honored to have you and get to know you a little bit better in person. But I want to start from the beginning. How did you discover a vegan diet and become so passionate about it? You know, I um, met my husband, Rondell Davis, in 1990. And uh, he took me on a, a, a very interesting first date. He took me to Griffith Park to run the hills at Griffith Park. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, I had never done that before in my life. And he ran the whole thing backwards, you know? He did the whole thing. He take, And I kept asking him, so how many more inclines? He goes, oh, just a couple more. We went all the way past the Hollywood sign on the first date girl. Anyway, after that, he takes me to his, his house and he prepares a vegan meal. Now, he was not vegan at the time. However, he had knowledge of veganism and uh, eating healthy and that sort of thing. And uh, he fed me this amazing meal, very simple, but I I did not suffer with the acid reflux or the yeah you know, I didn't have the problems that I normally had whenever I ate and uh, then he gave me those books Fit for Life by Harvey and Marilyn Diamond he told me to read volumes one and two and then he gave me the Mucus List Diet by Professor Arnold Eric. Now, those were the, the best books that man could have given me, right? In the beginning, somebody just coming out of, you know, I was all over the stand. I thought veganism was for Hare Krishnas, girl. I, I, you know, I had no clue. And um, once I ate that meal, and especially after I began to get a little knowledge about it, it was like overnight. I just decided that I didn't want to do animal products anymore. And at the time, it was before braces and the whole nine yards. I, I always had animal flesh lodged in my teeth. It was always extremely uncomfortable to eat meat, especially beef and things like that. This was like a brand new, <laughs> brand new way of life, <laughs> literally. And uh, that's how I got started. And that was back in 1990. Wow. Okay. I want to go back to that first date though. I, I, did he plan this out? Was this kind of like part of the, some kind of selection process he was going through? <laughs> he put you through some kind of boot camp? <laughs> what was what that all that about? about? I don't know what that was about. I guess maybe he just felt like, well, I want to make sure this lady can move, you know, maybe so. We never really even talked about it. I was just so blown away that I had never had anybody take me on a date like that, you know, but I was impressed by it and I appreciated it. That's how I got into um, working out. He, he's the person. And, and believe it or not, had it not been me reading, meeting Ron, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. I would have wow. taken a completely different journey. For sure. And, uh, That's I'm amazing. So and it sounds like y'all have both 
grown into it together. Because you said at the time he wasn't vegan, though. I no, he wasn't. Yeah. But but as I transitioned like overnight, he was like, oh, really? You're not going to eat meat anymore at all? I was like, no. And he was like, oh, OK. So I guess I'm not either. Um, That's funny. We hit it off. We hit it off. And yeah, we both transitioned at the same time. So, uh, so you were meant for each other then. That was perfect. <laughs> so then that was an amazing beginning to a relationship that did yeah. so much for both of you. What a, a big impact on your life. How did the restaurant come about? And were you a chef before opening the restaurant or is that something that evolved later? Girl, they call me chef because I own a restaurant and I, I do most <laughs> I do all the cooking now, but no, never had any training whatsoever. I use one knife in that restaurant. My husband's like, Well, sweetheart, do you think you might ever desire to have different knives? I was like, I don't know what I do with them because I, I use one knife and it works for everything. <laughs> we decided to share our cuisine, if you will, or the food that we ingested, we thought, this is really good. I think people would really like this because we were so excited about the transition that we kind of, you know, you, when you're a brand new vegan, you want everybody to, <laughs> to eat eat the same thing. You know, you, you almost get a little over the top. Uh, you kind of have to calm yourself down. And so I was in a play at the time and I had started sharing the food. No, I'm going to back it up. I went to Japan. I was doing some singing. My husband's also in music. That's kind of how I met him. And I was in Japan. And the only thing I was doing in Japan besides doing the, sh the gigs at night was working out, shopping for food and cooking for me and the other group <laughs> and, and meditating. Did a lot of meditating. I knew then that I wanted to go into food. So when I left Japan, we were going to a, a little church, City of Angels Church, and the minister allowed me to um, bring food in after work. So I had about 30 customers that would get my food, and I, I found that they really enjoyed what I, you know, what I shared with them. And then um, my husband said, would you like for me to get involved? And I said, why not? You know, things looks like it could take off. We wound up over at Agape Spiritual Center, and Michael Beckwith uh, allowed us to come on the lot. We built ourselves a big 16-foot food cart, and we... Uh, <laughs> We accumulated block-long lines selling wild rice tacos, enchilada pie, <laughs> sandwiches, stuff like that. And we were on the parking lot for like six years. And then we were planning a trip to Jamaica because I, I had been a flight attendant, so I had flying privileges. And that was our go-to spot whenever we had a few days off. And walking down Market Street in Inglewood and the doors to our shop was open. And uh, the owner was in there and it just so happened that my business cards was the same color as this island he had in there, whatever. And I thought, that's an omen. We need this building because we didn't have any money, girl. We weren't thinking about getting a restaurant. We had our cart. Anyway, when we got back from Jamaica, the owner had called us about five to six times and wanted to talk to us again. And he pretty much gave us the building for first and last month rent and a small security deposit. We had the building. It took us four years 
<laughs> to fix the building so we could open it up. But my husband wanted to pay for all of the stoves, all the appliances he wanted to pay for. He didn't want to have he didn't want to have a lot of outstanding debt because we we weren't really ready for a restaurant. And that was in uh, uh, 2008 when we opened the doors. And it was just pretty much to share a transitional diet. That's what it was. It was a trend because I, I, I'm a, a big component of eating a lot of live food. I, th- I think it's very important for us to get the nutrients. But, but this, I knew when we had the soul food platter, people would come in. Someone would come in, look at the menu, no chicken, no fish, and turn around and walk out. And I'd chase them down and I'd tell them, come back in here and get a taco on me. I gave away so many tacos. But they would sit down and wind up having a full meal after they ate the taco because it tasted good to them. And uh, we would have the soul food platter as specials. But when the, on the days that we didn't have it, we didn't have as many customers coming in. So we decided to make the soul food platter a part of the menu. But we, we served. We, here we are in downtown Inglewood, a, a relatively black and brown community at the time. It's going through a change now. But uh, we had tacos, burritos, quesadillas. We had the soul food platter, sandwiches, salads. I mean, we just had a variety of stuff that people, I mean, you know, that's pretty much how we ate. We just eliminated the animal products, refined sugar, dyes, and we decided to bring them organic produce. And uh, so we, we, we don't cook out of boxes and all that kind of stuff. We, we pretty much are hands-on and all of the food is fresh and organic. When we can find organic, that's what we serve. So it's been since 2008 and here it is, 2024. We made it through COVID <laughs> and we're still going strong, but the food is good. It's tasty. Well, obviously, because people keep coming back, but you started even before that. You said six years that you were in the little food cart. Isn't that something? So it's been a really long run. And it sounds like you have lived very many lifetimes in your life. You've done so many different things. I've done so many things, girl. I've done so many things. But that's the beauty of the human journey. That that is the beauty of the gift of life. And and for me, that's what the life is. It is a journey. It's an experience. The good, the bad, whatever. When you learn to love and you learn to forgive, it just takes you to a higher frequency. You begin to really be a lover of life, all life. And then you understand your oneness with the whole. You understand, hey, I hurt me, I hurt you. I hurt you, I hurt me. You know, it's just like we're one. Mm. So. The ultimate lesson, really. (laughs) It just takes us a while sometimes to learn it. Doesn't it? I want to go back because you said when you were in Japan, you were doing a lot of meditation. When did you learn to meditate and what has it done for you in your life? Like what role has it played for you? It just allowed me to relax and just be free and open and, and allow it to just, it just all came. It was like, I became this sponge. And it wasn't like I saw this and I saw that. It was just to just be still and just be quiet and allow, you know, that oneness to just give you everything it is you need. And I knew when I left there, I was going to be sharing 
food. I knew that. I, and I, I, I haven't been a singer since. <laughs> it wasn't amazing. singing. It wasn't singing. And thank God for the gift of meditation. Thank God for being able to be still and being able to understand that I needed that. I needed that. I mean, when, when you can just focus, you know, and just, just allow it to happen, it's just amazing. So, yeah, I was cooking food, yeah. working out and meditating. And, <laughs> and here I am. That <laughs> sounds like a dream life to me. <laughs> cooking food, was, yeah. meditating and working out. I, I love that. I know. I know. I bet you do. It was wonderful. And you know how it is in Japan. They know how to make the best out of space. And I learned, I learned how much I enjoy smaller spaces. And especially when I'm spending time with myself. I love it. I don't need a, all of that. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So you got lots of different ideas while you were there. That's great. Oh, so many. There's also been some interesting spiritual and faith connections to your restaurant and how, you know, the origins and the beginnings, what part has your spirituality and your faith played in your life? Oh, wow. <laughs> First of all, I'm just glad that I understand now what I did not understand so many years ago, my connection to all of this. When I became vegan, I was not thinking about not one animal or this planet. The only thing I was thinking about was me, period. I was thinking about not dying. <laughs> Everybody's going to die. It's amazing how I grew and how now I understand that each and every moment is my guaranteed time here. And to be connected and to have that understanding that, like I said before, I am just part of the whole. And so life, all of life matters to me. And so each and every animal on this planet, I have challenges killing a spider. Now I'm going to tell you why I don't have challenges. If a cockroach gets in the way, now that's a problem. <laughs> Got a little issue with cockroaches, but I do. I, I, I take them in paper and put them outdoors. Spiders can be cool. Anyway, so that whole thing, that connection, it, it just makes a life so much more worthwhile. And to be to understand that loving is everything, everything. Everything that I've been through, all the weird people in my in my journey become spiritual guides at that point, you know? Because they gave me the lessons. Now I know what to I, I can I if if I see it, I know how to avoid it. It's just waking up and using, I'll use the term that brothers and sisters use, I'm just woke. And so <laughs> <laughs> it just makes life wonderful because there's a lot going on on the planet right now. It's like the energy, our energy, the, the, the planet is overheating. The energy is just, ah! but man, I still have such an incredible incredible human experience with all of that stuff. You do for sure. It's, it's an amazing life. <laughs> yes. I just appreciate having this human experience. I really do. And I also believe this to the depths of my soul. There's never been a time that I did not exist. I've always existed. 
in one form or another. I don't fear death. Death is not the challenge. Quality of life, knowing how to stay in the now and appreciating your beautiful moments and understanding the power that you have to be able to, even if your feelings have been hurt one second, can you take control of your next moment and leave that where it was and smile this moment? Can you do that? That's important. We blow off a lot of moments hanging out in yesterday and worrying about tomorrow too much, don't we? That That's definitely for sure. And I was thinking when you said that, because a lot of us love challenges. I mean, just think of your first date running up hills and, you know, so many people sign up for marathons and ultra races and yes. all kinds of work challenges and how can you make as much money as possible but it's also a challenge to learn how to manage our thoughts and feelings. And that is the ultimate challenge, right? It really is. Because it can really take over our lives and it can create a life of misery. Or yes. it can help us learn how emotions are just like water. Just let it flow over you like water. They're going to pass. They're going to come and go and, you know, learn how to be present. But I do feel like it's the ultimate challenge, or at least for me, it feels like it's the ultimate challenge because I'm a very emotional person. So, <laughs> But you know what, baby? I am too. And I, and I often tell people now, I, I believe all this and pretty much I live this way. However, I'm not running a hundred. So I have my moments, but I also have the knowledge of how to reel it back in and come back when before I didn't have that. I can remember smoking crack cocaine and sitting around crawling over the floor looking for rocks and all that kind of stuff and stuck, just stuck. You know what I mean? Stuck completely and totally stuck. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not stuck. Wow. I gained the power. I took it back. And so it's beautiful. Life is beautiful. <laughs> That's a complete 180. I mean, if you were to go back to those days when you were using substances and weren't able to manage your emotions, had to seek <sighs> constant comfort. Did you ever think that you would be in a place like this where you feel so calm and peaceful and centered in your life? Girl, I remember, and this was before substance. I remember when I graduated from high school, I decided not to go to college. And I can remember looking in a magazine it was an architect magazine, and it was the most gorgeous home that looked extremely modern back then, but I'm, that was 50 years ago. And I thought, wow, this house is pretty. And this lady was, it, it was my first job. She was looking at the magazine with me, and I said, I'll never be able to have a house like that. And she goes, you really think you'd never be able to have a home like that? I said, no. With the job, I, I make $300 a month. No. I'll never be able to have a house like that. I thought that. I thought that. I, You know, I couldn't see, not see anything else for myself. I was raised on the east side of Los Angeles. My mother worked two and three jobs, third grade education. You know, I mean, come on. No, I'm never going to see a house like that. That's incredible. Now I know the sky's the limit. It's what I desire. I take what I need based on my needs. And I'm, I don't desire everything all at once. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. such a good point, though, because I've seen that time and time again where I work. It's 
a highly underserved area where there's a lot of migrant farm workers and there's a lot of teens and children that have never seen anything else modeled for them. And in fact, they've been told, they have been deliberately been told, that's not an option for you. You're just gonna have to, you can't go to college. You're just gonna have to go straight to work. That's not an option for you. We can't afford that. And that drilled into their head, what they see around them in their lives, what they see in their family, what they've been told, they can't even desire anything beyond that because they're stuck in a box of this is all I can have. And it. and it does make a big difference, doesn't it? And I think it's so important for us to be able to reach young people and tell them that it's true. The sky is the limit yes. and anything is possible for you. You have yes. to just be able to imagine it. What we can imagine exactly. is what we can create. That's all you have to do is see it for you and work towards that. It, it, that's all you have to do. And, and so many times you just think, I'm just stuck. This is it. This is where I am. This is all I've got. <laughs> I'm so blessed to be where I am right now. Yeah, it's incredible. So grateful. I want to go back really quick to something that you said about how veganism has kind of helped you make that connection to the animals and the planet. Do you feel that whenever you you made the decision to stop eating animals, do you feel like that was a catalyst? to start making that connection? Like, did you stop eating animals because of the health reason? And then after that, you developed more of that empathy for animals or was it the other way around? Do you feel like you've always been an animal lover or kind of how, how has that been in your life? It was not the animal thing for me. It was just me feeling better when I ate. I had a hard time, very difficult time digesting food. I had eczema, asthma, uh, you know, food was always just troubling for me. And because of the way that I ate, I was always feeling sick and it was just miserable. You know, I didn't know that animals, I needed to think about animals. That's what we ate. I, I, I didn't know that was an issue. It was as I grew spiritually and began to understand who I am and understanding that I cannot separate myself from the donkey or the chicken or the fish or the water or the air or the sand. I'm one with all of it. And so as I began to grow consciously, then I understood. And I, as, as I also began to learn the massive mistakes that the human species is making to produce the animal flesh for people to ingest, then I understood it's not just about you eating a piece of chicken. This is so much bigger than you. This is about your great-granddaughter having a place to live as you cease to exist in this human form. So it's like, as I began to learn and grow, I understood this is my family, this whole thing. I'm connected to all of it. So I have to fight for it, period, period. I have to. I just told him at Pisa the other day, I said, well, if James Cromwell is too old to, to glue his butt to a, 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 a counter, I'll glue my ass to a counter. You can, you can let me do it. I'll. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Seriously, girl, you know, it's like these, these the way that, that humans behave with these animals is just so heartbreaking. And we do each other the same way. We're behaving that way with each other. And so love 
love so much starts in here. It starts with you. And if you don't love you, you're incapable of loving outside of you. Yeah. So that's why it starts here. Girl, I did a post the, uh, wait a minute. Somebody sent me a, a clip of something I was saying to Dr. Bobby, you know, Dr. Bobby Price. Yes. You, you, you put me. Okay. So I was at one of his events and I was talking about, I'm a vegan. I claim vegan. I sell vegan. And talking about the life and food. Girl, do you know how pe- what people think? They think you pick an apple is dead. They do not connect nutrients with life. They don't, they don't make that connection. And my, my, my point to them was if you subject your vegetables to temperatures over a certain, you know, 117, 118 degrees, you're going to especially alter the, the enzymes, the live enzymes in that food. And, and what you would get from that food, you, it changes the molecular structure in so many ways. Heat does. So these people were just like, you should stop lying to people. Once you pick, <laughs> once you pick that food, it's dead. I'm just like, come on, you guys. That's why we're so sick. We're not making the connection. We're not understanding the importance of life in your food. They yeah. just think once you pick it, it died. And I'm like, but I'm thinking, how do you think the intelligence that created us all, we're not just eating because we're hungry. We have to literally survive off that food. And the body needs nutrition, certain nutrients. They're not making the connection. That's why we eat so poorly, because we don't know. For sure. I 100% agree that most people do not understand how powerful food can be, but also how harmful it can be to us. Yes, I think exactly. we see food as like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't eat so much processed food, but it's really not affecting Oof. my blood pressure. It's really not affecting my cholesterol. It's really not affecting my diabetes. It's really not, has nothing to do with my autoimmune disease. That's a big one. A lot of rheumatologists say that food has nothing to do with autoimmune disease. Ugh. But I think it's hard for us on the other side because you've experienced so much healing power in food yourself. And just like right. you said, once you experience that yourself, you want to just shout it from the rooftops exactly. and be like, I suffered with this for decades and yes. then I changed my diet and I feel so much better. Maybe it can help you too. Then everybody thinks you're just like a, a fanatic, <laughs> you exactly. know, but it's very, very powerful. I kind of want to go back to your restaurant and, and how you were talking about chasing people out the door and be like, just taste it, just taste it. Tell me why it's so important for food to taste good. I think that's, you know, one of the things that people imagine when they think about vegan food, they think about cardboard or grass. They think that we're just eating grass or cardboard, but it's so delicious. So talk about food and flavor and, and why that's important to entice people over to the plant-based world. You know, I, I I think I have to agree with food being, you, you want your food to be comfort food, you know? When we were serving all of the food prior to COVID on beautiful white plates, I used to always like to really decorate the plates and we give a lot of food away. Uh, we're definitely like, not like some big high-end French restaurant with one little, we gave you a plate of food, you know? So, um, but I always wanted it to be pretty. Of course, it has to have, certain 
flavors that you're accustomed to, but of course, with a, a much better products being used. And you can accomplish that. That's why we serve, we don't serve an all raw menu. That's why we serve a menu that we consider it to be transitional. Because I want the biggest meat eater on the planet to come in here and get a soul food platter and eat some jack barbecue jackfruit and fall in love. Or some tofu. I don't care. Eat some barbecue tofu and be like, well, this tofu tastes like chicken here. Yes, it does. So I want it. So I know I know what my community has been through and is going through in terms of their health. And so for us, but but Ron and I, we were pretty bad at first. People would have their plates and we would give a salad with every meal. No, you get a salad. You have to have a salad. That's the only live thing on your plate. And people wouldn't. Do you know how many salads have been dumped in the trash? It got to the point where they didn't get it. And we would go by and the only thing would be over to the side they haven't eaten would be the salads. And we would go by and say, why are you not eating your salad? We're all in our customers, you know, plates and people would be like, who are you? And so (laughs) you were like grandma coming around, eat your salad. Grandma and grandpa. And so my husband said, we got to stop doing that. Why don't we tell them you get a salad with each meal? Do you want your salad? Rather than just letting them take it and waste it. And do you know now people will say, no, keep the salad. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to eat it. So it's much better. Grandpa and grandma got out of everybody's plate. So, but yeah, I knew that I had to make it palatable and experience that they were accustomed to. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to open the restaurant because we were eating this food at home. And I was like, but this tastes as good as anything I've eaten, you know? And once we did the cart thing and we started accumulating block long lines after church, we knew we had a product. We knew it. It was just getting people to come in there and not see animal flesh on the menu because that was our diet pretty much specifically. I ate chitlins. I can remember cleaning the poop out of chitlins and then boiling them 900 times to get all that fat, that oil that comes off of them and eating them. I remember doing that, you know, but lack of knowledge. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea, but I was very lucky. Let, Let me tell you what happened to me one time. I remember when I started this journey, I went to see uh, an iridologist and he informed my husband and I that we both had gallstones. I had no clue. So I took this concoction. They they had these herbs in in capsules that kind of help clean the kidney, colon, liver, spleen and some cold pressed olive oil and a half cup of lemon juice. Do you know the next morning I passed gallstones from like six in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon, gallstones, every color from every shape, from pea green to emerald green. I And my husband did the same exact thing. We passed gallstones. So it's like that, just them reading my eyes, they could see that. They could see that I had gallstones and he did too. We had no clue. The worst thing that, what probably would have happened if we had never transitioned or done that is that I'd wind up passing stones or either getting sick and they're telling me you got to have your gallbladder removed 
You know what I mean? Because of a lack of knowledge. So once I began to learn things and and what I was learning was creating wealth in me because it's making my body well, I had to share. I had to share. I had to share. And I shared that when I was a supervisor with Northwest Airlines. I had an employee that was um, about to go to the hospital to have gallstone or gallbladder removed. And I told her about that. I said, wait for me. Let me take you to the iridologist. Let me just take you over to him. And sure enough, she did the thing. She still has her gallbladder. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like allowing the intelligence to shine its light through you. Just be a vessel for the light, you know, so, so others will come out of the darkness. It's so important for us to share yeah, and, and be kind to one another. And you are, you're such a bright light and you are passing down a legacy. You know, you're talking about the chitlins earlier and, and, but you know, now you are giving so much more. Like I'm just thinking of thousands and thousands of people that have come through your restaurant that have tasted the food. And, you know, for some people, it probably takes several exposures to be like, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to start switching over. Of course, some people, they're able to switch overnight very quickly. Every personality is a little bit different, but having those options available so that people can keep trying the food and keep imagining the possibility of that for them. It's so important to have that. So I'm so grateful that you've had such longevity. So that takes me to my next question. Do you still work at your restaurant? And I just want to know how you do all the things you do and still have so much energy and have such a beautiful, bright smile because you seem like a very busy person. Girl, it's incredible. After COVID, you know, we lost a lot of employees during the whole, that whole trauma. And so um, we, we're getting back. That's kind of what's happening right now. But, you know, food is very expensive. And so we're, we're taking our time, our, our time. He's 75. I'm 73 now. We didn't realize this thing was going to go so fast. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so right now we're very short staffed. And uh, I gripe a lot, but yes, I do all the cooking, the prepping. I, I do have a griddle person that makes sure when, because after I'm done with all the prepping, every 25 pound, 30 pound box that comes through there, I'm the person that empties that box and preps that food. So what I do is I go to work. If I'm going to the gym that day, I get to work around seven, but I try to get in on off days, like. Tomorrow, I'll go to stuff I eat at three in the morning. We don't open tomorrow. We don't open till Wednesday. So I get a lot of everything done tomorrow. So when I go in on Wednesday, then I'm doing my cookies and my cakes and my desserts and stuff like that. <laughs> and and shreds, you know, slicing vegetables. That can be weird if you slice too soon. Cucumber will get slimy. So you have to be so careful. But I am the only person that preps all of that food. And thank God we have a very simple menu. You know, I even make my own burger patties and we, we, we call them nut burgers. They're made out of walnuts. So I get up, I usually go to bed between six and seven in the evening. I can pass out, just turn, turn TV off, put my books down. I'm done. And um, I'll wake up usually around one thirty-two bathroom run. It's like, girl, it's like 
clockwork. I swear to God. I already know what time it is when I wake up. I, I, I look at the clock and I'm like, eh. anyway, I get up, get myself together. If I'm going to the gym, go to the gym, leave the gym. And then I got to get myself together, go to work and work uh, there until noon, one, two or three. And uh, if I have any uh, videos to make, I hit it over to my managers and we do that. Or I'm going to come right back home and chill out until it's time for me to um, start all over again. But but I, I have a good I have a good existence. I um, Ron and I have figured our thing out. He there's an apartment at the restaurant. And so he's into music. He has a studio over there and he's up really late. So he hangs over there. And I come to my apartment over here. It's so wonderful, girl. It's so wonderful because I, I'm I'm with me, and I've never done that before in my life. So I'm good. I love it. And he's, you know, we hear each other's mouth enough, and and so yeah, we we do a good job of uh, maintaining a, <laughs> a relationship that way. <laughs> we I love it out. that. I love that. Well, and you sound like you're comfortable being on your own and you enjoy yes, that time as well I do. Um, because your life is very full and very packed with action and you know it's go 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 but what's amazing is that you're 73 years old you run a restaurant you do all the prep but you still manage to get enough sleep and work out so there's a lot of people that make the excuse that don't do half of what you do so tell me how do you determine what you prioritize in your life and what's important? Let me tell you, do you know how many people, especially let's just take IG, those people are constantly telling you, you're such an inspiration. You're such an inspiration. You just inspire. Every time I hear that, don't you know that inspires me? We just inspire one another. They inspire me to be the best me that I can possibly be so that I can continue to inspire them. And that's pretty much what it is. That gives me energy as well. I want to be able to give as much love as I can possibly give because you cannot give unless you receive. So if I'm giving love, I'm going to get a lot of love back. So <laughs> that is kind of the way I look at it. Love it. You keep your cup overflowing. It's the perfect yeah, place yeah. to be. <laughs> So what would you say is your philosophy on aging and longevity? Uh, longevity has its place. But what is more important to me after watching my mother's journey is um, quality. That means more to me than anything. I, I, if I get in the tub at 90, can I please get out on my own? If I go down, like I busted my knee, I, I stepped out of my lane. I, I did something a couple of days before my birthday. My birthday was December 7th. And on that was like a Wednesday. And on that Monday, I was at the gym overzealous. I did my 45-minute spin. And then something said to me, you should go get on the treadmill. You know how you used to love to go get on the treadmill after a spin. Now, I hadn't been on the treadmill in so long. I got on that treadmill. I decided to pump it up to seven and sprint. Then I saw my trainer come in. I go in the training room and I'm just like, I'm not even doing the, the workouts he's giving me. I'm doing other stuff. I get to work, go to the bathroom. I got to get up and wash my hands and I see a spider web under the sink. I bent down to get the spider web 
and my right knee cracked and I had been crippled for the entire month. I'm still dealing with that knee. Oh, no. I stepped out of my lane. I got overzealous. Sometimes you just have to calm it down. And you know what I mean? But that's how hyped I am about the workout, being able to move, how grateful I am, you know, to be able to do all that stuff. I don't. What did you ask me? I'm sorry, boo. I, I just went all. all I'm sorry. What, what, I love what, it. What, no, you can say whatever you want. You I have the right. <laughs> I was asking your philosophy on aging and longevity. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I really believe that people should, you know, people focus a lot on how I look, aesthetics. I wear makeup. I enjoy wearing makeup. I've worn makeup since I was in high school. I, re- I can remember putting so much paint on my face on my friends said, why you got to put all this stuff? I was learning how to do it. I always liked it. I don't think we need to get so wrecked by how we change during the process of aging. I don't look like I looked when I was 50. My changes may be subtle because of my lifestyle. However, I'm still changing. I live on a planet that's going to yank everything down. We all have to deal with it. Your quality, it's not, okay, so I have laugh lines. That means I've laughed a lot. Eh. That's what the skin does. It, do, it, 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 it moves. It does stuff. I just don't think people need to get so wrecked about that. And when people are at me, thank you very much for the compliment. That's great. But I'm strong. I'm healthy. You know what? I can take care of myself at 73 years old. I have not lost my memory. I, I, I'm, I'm great. That's more important to me than you worrying about aesthetics. Because there are a lot of people that look great on the outside that are a wreck on the inside. So for me, I take care of myself. But if somebody asked me, what do you do about your neck? I said, just keep on piling that coconut oil on it until it don't work no more. I don't know what to tell you. Because one day, <laughs> even that coconut ain't going to work no more. But that's what I, I wound up putting coconut on my skin. And I liked it when I first learned about coconut oil. I had a friend that used to call me shiny. He would come in the restaurant and he'd call me shiny because I had so much coconut oil on. But I mean, you know, we do what we can do. But I I just think if your heart is strong and, and, and you don't have any of these illnesses that we're all getting from our diets, you know what? I, I just think, and your quality is good and you can laugh and you can move. You can walk up a mountain. You can walk up and down your stairs. Girl. You are in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> that it's not just aesthetics, people. It really is not. Yeah. It really is not just aesthetics. We do place a lot of emphasis on appearance in this country. We I know do. it's a very common thing and there's a lot of fears about how our bodies and our appearance is going to change over time with all kinds of transitions, right? Pregnancy, aging, all of those things. But you're right. I think to me, what I find most inspiring is that you're able to live out your desires. You're able to serve your mission. You're able to enjoy your body physically. Like that really inspires me. And I'm not sick. I'm not taking handfuls of medicine. Uh, I I have no meds. I don't have a doctor yet. I mean, there may come a time I've had physical injuries where I've had 
I have a doc, Dr. Mueller, you know, he makes sure that my carpal tunnel and when I, not my carpal tunnel, the carpal tunnel, when it has to be checked and I can't check it, I know to go to Dr. Mueller and he'll hook me up. But other than that, girl, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and how would you say your life is different than the typical American woman in their 70s? I'll say a lot of 70-year-olds begin to believe that they're old because now they're referring to you as elderly. <laughs> I heard Dr. Bobby Price say that yesterday on the interview. Well, especially if she's 70, such and such, she's elderly. I said, Dr. Bobby Price, you think I'm elderly? <laughs> I'm asking that too. I heard you call somebody 70 years old elderly. Anyway, yeah, they 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 refer to us as el- elderly and we buy into it. Or we've done so little in terms of practicing self-love and self-care that we do become elderly. And so that does provide the difference between myself and a, a sister that has gone out like that. My mother sat down a lot. She wound up with double knee replacement. She had a breast cancer. Just, you know, I watched her. I just watched her. It was the diet. And, you know, she told me, she goes, don't worry about it. Once you have go through menopause and you're in your 40s, you're going to get big too. She, that's what they all thought because they were all doing the same thing. And that is why it is so important for me to get my butt up, get into the gym, share with these people what the heck I'm doing and have been doing since 1990. That has obviously worked. Yes. And it goes back to those beliefs. You know, you were talking about earlier when you were younger, you had that belief. There's no way I could ever own a house like that. Well, the opposite is also true. If you believe I'm definitely going to have this disease by the time I'm this age or after 40, it's downhill and you're just going to be sick all the time. Then that's also what you're going to manifest because that's the habits those behaviors are going to have. You're just yeah. going to live that life. You're just going to emulate whatever it takes so that that belief becomes a and reality. I'm here, to rebuff that. I'm here to rebuff that. No, that is, you don't have to go out that way. You don't have to do it that way, but you got to practice self-love and self-care. You have to educate yourself. You, what, what do, what, what makes it good for me at 70 years? And, and you don't really even want to wait till you're 70, but guess what? As long as you're alive, the intelligence created an in, uh, an incredible, incredible machine here. As long as you're alive, a little at a time, just a little at a time. Every day, do something. Walk a block today and a block back home, and tomorrow walk two blocks. You can do that. You don't have. I when I see sisters out there, a little bit overweight, or they just look a little older, and they're jogging on cement. I pulled my car over before and been like, sis, why are you just not doing a brisk walk? And and they'll look at me and go, I know. They think that they need to start working out and they need to run. No, that's why I stepped out of my lane on that, that treadmill, pumping it up to seven. Sometimes just a brisk walk because cement is a lot of pounding. And, and, and you can really hurt yourself thinking that you're working out. You want to hurry up and get to it. You, I haven't been working out, so I just want to, maybe I'll go out here and jog. No, walk. It's okay. Breathe. 
Just a little at a time and keep adding. It's never too late. It's never too late. I think a lot of people think it's it's too late. They don't do anything and then more decades pass. So it's never too late. Exactly. How do you define success in this lifetime? Happiness. Yeah. Happiness. That's short and sweet. Being able, you make me want to cry to ask that because people do not understand the, the beauty being able to appreciate each and every second that you have in this journey to learn, to feel, to love. That to me is worth everything because when all of the stuff is gone, you still have you. You have to be your own best friend. That's one thing I've learned too. You better be. (laughs) Is there a goal or a dream that has evaded you or do you feel like you're content with everything that you've accomplished and everywhere that you've been and everything that you've done? You know, I've done a lot of traveling because I was a flight attendant, so I did have that privilege. I guess I still feel like I just haven't seen everything. There's so much more to do. And so for as long as I am um, on this particular journey, I'm going to continue doing as much as I can do. (laughs) Maybe one day I'll I'll be doing that little skydive thing, of course, with a buddy. but. You know, um, there are just some things that I, that I just I want to do. I, you know, I, I have the desire to uh, have myself a, a, a piece of land so that I can grow my own food. I really want to. I really I was looking at seeds today, organic seeds today, and knowing that I really need to start accumulating seeds. And I want to do that. I've always wanted. I've always wanted a pet pig, a little. Little buddy, little pet pig. I kind of want to do that. So yeah, I, I I need to be in a forest someplace at some point. I want to go to a rainforest and and have some time hanging out there. So a few things I want to do. Still, I'm still a baby. Yeah, I'm not elderly. <laughs> You're not elderly. <laughs> uh, you know what I love about that? I love that you still have a bucket list. And I think that's what keeps us young, too, is that we know, like, there's still stuff we want to experience and not and not like in a scarcity sort of way, but more in a there's still so much more fun to be had. There's still so much more things to experience that I'd love to taste. I'd love to try. And I'm going to I'm going to try. Let's see what what else I can accomplish in this life. You know, I think each and every moment, each and every moment. It ain't over till it's over. That's that's correct. (laughs) <laughs> How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a um, a giver, uh, full of love, and and never having a problem sharing. That's good. Yeah. It's a good memory right there. That's beautiful. Well, that's hopefully how you're thought of as now in real time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that that will follow you wherever you go. So that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. What do you wish more people knew? The importance of loving self and making one, making yourself number one in the experience, you know, not, not feeling like you're being selfish, but understanding the importance of, um, you not being able to help anyone if you don't help you first, put your oxygen mask on first. It's not, it's not selfish at all. And it's, it's unfortunate that people, people think that it's selfish. I mean, I'm created, I'm just, an expression of that intelligence that created all of this. And so, yeah, I'm embracing me. 
I'm loving me and I'm taking care of me. Yes, that I feel like is one of those things that we're taught when we're young that don't be selfish, just give to everybody else, give, you know, give before you, you know, you take care of yourself. And I think what people don't realize is that when we feel secure, when we feel safe, when we're able to give ourselves the love, we're in such a solid space. Yes. We are, we are so grounded, we are so secure that it just amplifies the love. It amplifies the security around us. And that's how we can become this really strong, vibrant light. Whenever we feel resentful all the time or feel like we're unloved or not taken care of, which it's our job to take care of ourselves, you know, first and foremost, we're, right. we're just not able to give as much. And so it's very counterintuitive because we're taught the opposite, you know, opposite. when we're young. I know, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And what do you think it means to be human? I think being human is pretty much an experience. Like I said before, it's just the way I believe. I'm energy and I've always, you can't destroy energy. I've never ceased to exist in some form or another. And I believe this time it's human and it's an experience. And um, I choose to get the best from the experience. <laughs> and I'm in control of that because it all starts here. My daughter said to me one time, because I always talk about staying in the now, she said, well, what if you're now, you were being tortured? What would you, <laughs> she said, she's like, you were being tortured. And I said, that's not real for me. It's not part of my now. I've never been tortured. I don't know if that would ever be a reality for me. I cannot speak to that, but I can speak to this moment. I love it. I'm not going over there, Therese. Yeah. You, you want me to think about being tortured? <laughs> like, why am I going to waste my time <laughs> contemplating being tortured when I'm not being tortured? <laughs> She's just like, just stop telling people to stay in the now. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me her. of that reminds me of one of the common questions that vegans get asked. Well, what if you are stranded on an island and there's nothing yeah, there but a then? pig? <laughs> what are you gonna eat? Then? <laughs> like, that's very unlikely to happen, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, know, it's so funny. But you know, I did think about going on naked and afraid. Ooh. And I, I kept I, I just kept thinking, I, I just thought the whole experience would just be like awesome, you know? But then I thought those mosquitoes would eat you alive and it would be over. Or if they sent me place, someplace too cold, I wouldn't last the night. So I thought, you know, that's not your groove. <laughs> you don't I'm, need to do I'm with you on that one. I, I'll tell <laughs> you that I feel like at least this human incarnation, I chose this time because I, I do like quite a bit of comfort. Heaters, air conditioners, <laughs> clothing. <laughs> I like those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I had the heater on in my bedroom. And when I came out here, I took my big fuzzy rug and I, my, my, my robe and I said, I don't want to be cold. I know. I, it's like some people would be like, girl, it's not even that cold. But I'm with you. I like yeah. comfort. The heck with being out, being attacked naked. <laughs> By mosquitoes and bears. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. 
You're you're probably find enough exciting things to do, Chef Bobette. So I do, I do. I'd rather zip line. That's a little bit easier. Yeah, and let me know when you're ready to go skydiving. I'll join you. Really? That's on, that's on my bucket list as well. Yours so, too? Yes. I love this. I will so, let you know, but, baby. But also, um, one of the conditions is it has to be somewhere beautiful. Because yeah, I want to make sure that, you know, it can't just be some random place. Yeah, the, it needs to yeah, be somewhere beautiful. So We're going to hook that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chef, it's been such a fabulous experience interviewing you. You're amazing. You really, truly are very inspiring. So Thank please you. let us know where my listeners can connect with you, what products and services that you offer, where your restaurant is located so that people can find you in all the places. We'll start with the restaurant, and it goes like this. Step by eat, step by eat, if you don't want me. Try the step by eat, 114 North Market Street in Inglewood, California. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's it. Don't you love it? Anyway, I also have a dessert cookbook. It's called Cash In on Cashews, mm. and it's 50-plus desserts made with the cashew nut. They're pretty much live desserts. You can find me on Instagram. Instagram is like pow right now. It's just like smoking right now. Fire. You know, I guess it's a bunch of posts, a lot of comments, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, my Instagram page, Chef Babette, and uh, my TikTok at 73, I am kind of elderly when it comes to TikTok. <laughs> now I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of followers and stuff. But I don't get it. I don't get TikTok really good because all I want to do is the same thing I do on Instagram. I want to do on TikTok anyway. But I do have a TikTok account. It's also Chef Babette. No need to talk about my face Facebook account when it was Chef Babette. It was a great. Oh, I loved it. I got hacked and they wouldn't give me my my account back. So um, you can find me on as Babette Davis on Facebook, not Chef Babette, but Babette Davis. Oh, I do have a brand new product. I'm into CMOS. That's my thing. So I've teamed up with my girl. Name of our company is Earth and Sea Wellness. And we sell, we're getting ready to do a 30-day detox. I'm doing a water cleanse now. So I've been, this is day eight for the water cleanse. And I'll go to day 14. And then on day 15, I'll start my Earth and Sea Wellness detox. And we're doing that to the 15th of February. So I will be so clean on the inside, girl. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. So I get, I think I gave it all to you, didn't I? Yes. We can definitely find you and be inspired by you. And yeah, I was looking at your cookbook. That looks amazing. So oh, I'd love to try is. some of There's those so many fun recipes. desserts in here. But you know, I have a sweet tooth. My mother really spoiled us when we were kids. She gave us so much sugar. My mother's Kool-Aid used to pour out like syrup. <laughs> I was in the Kool-Aid generation too. So <laughs> Kool-Aid and you Jello, so a lot of both of those Kool-Aid things. Generation. No, definitely was. <laughs> so, well, Chef Babette, you are just such a treat and just such a gift to us. So thank you so much for being here with us. I appreciate everything you do. And I'm just so grateful for being on the show today. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Babette Davis. And I am human. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Am Human. I would be so honored if you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. 
We love our listeners and take your feedback seriously. If you have questions or constructive feedback, you can email us at podcast at dryami.com. That's podcast at d-o-c-t-o-r-y-a-m-i.com. I am your host, Dr. Yami Casorla Lancaster. I Am Human is produced by myself and Alejandra Parra. Graphics designed by Alejandra Parra. Music by Angela Sof with Glowbox Productions and edited by the Castos Production Team. Remember, human, you are here for a reason. Have fun, explore, and live your life to the fullest. <laughs>